Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. Today's story is about a guy who was once considered a hero. For a period of about eight months, Oscar was on top of the world. He was an A-list celebrity and had wholesome, flawless character. He wasn't problematic. He wasn't toxic. He was an athlete who defied odds and competed in the 2012 London Olympics. He had sponsors and was on magazine covers. Then overnight, things got real dark, and suddenly the headlines about Oscar were no longer good. My sources are listed in the description area of the video. This is the case of Oscar Pistorius. This story takes place on February 14, 2013. Let's go back to 2013 for a moment. I would give anything to go back to this year. Every time I do one of these, I think back to the age my son was at the time. He was 13 in 2013, and it was just a great time. There was the rescuing of the three young women from the Cleveland House of Horrors. You can go back a few videos and hear my podcast about that case. The words twerk and selfie were added to the dictionary. There was the Boston Marathon bombing. The Hollywood world mourned the loss of Paul Walker and James Gandolfini. The Pope made a Twitter account. And lastly, Edward Snowden blew the whistle on his employer, the NSA, and basically told everyone the U.S. government has been spying on you. Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius was born November 22, 1986, in South Africa. His parents are Hank and Sheila, and Oscar is the middle of three children. His family is considered middle to upper class in South Africa. Oscar was born missing his fibula, or leg bones, right below the knee. He had feet, but was missing the outside portion of them. His feet were eventually amputated. Oscar's parents divorced when he was young, and he had a strained relationship with his dad. When Oscar was 15 in 2001, his mother passed away following complications of a hysterectomy. Oscar played a lot of sports as a teen. He, he played rugby, cricket, and would eventually find his calling with track. Oscar said growing up, his family didn't really discuss his disability. No one ever brought it up. It was because it, it was like normal to them. It wasn't because it was like a touchy subject or anything, but just because nothing stopped him from playing sports and water skiing and a lot of other outdoor activities. He didn't really see that he had a disability, even though he was missing the bottom half of his legs. Now, I want to get into exactly what a lot of people want to know when it comes to his condition. He had both legs amputated as a small child. The cut was right below his knees. Basically, he had stumps at the bottom of his knees. He could walk on the stumps if need be, but it was awkward. He had prosthetic legs that he could take off and put back on. When you see Oscar on the red carpet, he's wearing prosthetic legs. You would have a hard time believing that he's a double amputee because they look like regular legs and feet. They cost between $10,000 and $50,000 a piece. I imagine when he's home sleeping or lounging around the house, he's not wearing his prosthetic legs. Without his prosthetic legs, he is five foot two. With his prosthetic legs, he is six foot one. When Oscar would run, he used a different set of prosthetics. 
these were actual blades, which is what you see on your screen. He was given the nickname Blade Runner. I can't fathom the balance it takes to be able to use those things. And I have such an admiration for disabled athletes who have to work so hard to get to that level. They are made out of carbon fiber reinforced, reinforced polymer, which is used in a lot of everyday items like helmets and car parts. The blades cost around $18,000 a piece. So number one, he can walk on his stumps in private. I hope that's not an offensive term. You guys know I wouldn't purposely say anything offensive about a disabled person, but I don't know what to exactly call them or how to describe them other than stumps. There's probably a better medical term out there. It basically looks like he's walking on his knees. Number two, he can walk using his everyday prosthetic legs, which look like normal legs and feet. They just come off at the end of the day. Number three, when it comes time to run, he uses his blades. He can run super fast, like lightning speed. He's able to keep up with the fastest runners in the world. That's how he got his nickname, Blade Runner. I know we're going to get into some terrible things about Oscar, but before those things, he was a world-class athlete that trained for hours and hours in a day to be in the shape that he was in. He was like a superhero. Oscar begins running at the age of 16. He competes in many Paralympic events, and he's really good. He's winning gold medals and so on. In fact, in 2004, he won the gold medal at the Athens Paralympics, and he decides at that point he wants to join the regular able-bodied Olympics, the one that didn't have disabled people. He was rejected by the International Association of Athletics Federation over and over in 2008. They deemed his prosthetic blades to be an unfair advantage over men who had just regular ankles and feet. Oscar disputed this, and he eventually won, but this wasn't easy to do. They have to have people verify the length, and there's multiple videos and tests that have to take place. Since this was such a long process, he ended up missing the cut for the 2008 Olympics, but he would be able to compete in the 2012 London Olympics. A big legal victory took place that day, and he's going to the Olympics and will be representing his country of South Africa. Oscar will be the first of his kind, and this is a big significant day for disabled folks everywhere. In the 400-meter race, Oscar placed second. Oscar was also chosen to carry South Africa's flag during the closing ceremony. He even flew his grandmother out to watch him compete. Oscar is now a major celebrity in his home country of South Africa. He's followed by paparazzi. He's driving a McLaren. He met South African President Nelson Mandela. He's involved in various charities. He appeared on Time Magazine, GQ Magazine, and People Magazine. He's got a Nike sponsorship. For eight months, Oscar was on top of the world. Oscar lavished in the celebrity lifestyle and began hanging out with new friends, many of these friends being other millionaires. Oscar had this squeaky clean image. Imagine how we all looked at Tiger Woods back before his cheating allegations. Do you all remember when he was the most wholesome tennis player? This is how most people saw Oscar. Oscar had a girlfriend named Samantha Taylor, but they broke up right before the Olympics. Oscar didn't have a lot of time to spend with her, and he felt the Olympics were more important. 
In my opinion, that's fair enough. He didn't want to waste her time, so he let her go. But other sources say that they were still kind of on again, off again, dating, you know, this and that, still talking to each other. As a side note, Samantha looks very similar to his newer girlfriend, Reva Steenkemp. Samantha says Oscar was controlling and abusive. He often would take her phone and read through her messages. He yelled at her for not putting her plate in the sink. He would drive 200 miles per hour in the car with her, and she was terrified. Their relationship was pretty toxic. In November of 2012, Oscar meets a beautiful young woman named Reva Steenkemp. They met through a mutual friend and hit it off. Oscar has this fancy red carpet dinner that he has to attend for SA Sports, and he needed a date. So he asked Reva to join him. Now, Samantha claims Oscar was still involved with her at this time, and going to this award ceremony with Reva was cheating on her. Oscar and Reva were all over the tabloids, and everyone wants to know who this new woman is. Just a little backstory on Reva. Reva is a 29-year-old model and paralegal from South Africa. Reva was on a lot of commercials, and she has other appearances on BBC, and she's making a name for herself. Reva wanted to be a lawyer. She was already a paralegal, and she also wanted to be an advocate for domestic violence victims. Oscar is getting used to being a celebrity at this point. He's got tons of money. He's buying fancy cars. He lives in a gated house with a security guard out front. Oscar was the victim of death threats and so on, not for any other reason that than he's just a celebrity. The shit these people have to deal with is obscene. He worries about his safety, so he gets a gun that he carries with him at all times. One of Oscar's friends, Darren Fresco, said that Oscar was trigger happy. He once fired his gun through the sunroof of, the, of his car because he was angry. He had been stopped for speeding and was upset that the cop handled his gun. Oscar yelled that you can't just touch another man's gun. He yelled at the police officer that now his fingerprints were all over the gun and if it was used in a crime, he would be held responsible. You try that shit in America and I don't think it's going to go over as well as it did for Oscar. In February of 2013, Reva and Oscar had been dating for three months. According to an article written by Johnny Brayson, Reva was scared of Oscar. She sent him text messages that were found that said she was afraid of his outbursts. She tells him, you are the one person I deserve protection from. According to Reva's mom, she had plans to break up with Oscar soon. She also wouldn't sleep with Oscar. She would go to his house and sleep in his bed, but she never had sex with him. Her mom goes on to say that Reva didn't want to be intimate with someone if she wasn't sure about if she really wanted to be in this relationship. She wanted to make sure it was somebody who she truly loved. Reva had never been in a dysfunctional relationship before and wasn't used to someone yelling at her or treating her mean. But the world doesn't see this side of Oscar. We don't know about him firing his gun in his car or being an asshole to his partners. Oscar had a squeaky clean image to the public, so all of this isn't going to come out until much later. Something happened in the middle of the night that would forever change Oscar and would take the life of Reva. I'm going to give you Oscar's version of events. This is what he said under oath of exactly what went down. 
It's Valentine's Day of 2013, and Riva and Oscar are sound asleep. Oscar and Riva went to bed at 10 p.m. Oscar sleeps on the left side of his bed. Normally, he sleeps on the right hand side, but he has a shoulder injury. Oscar sleeps with a 9 millimeter pistol under his bed at all times. Oscar wakes up at 3 a.m. He's sweating and he says it's hot and humid in the bedroom. Riva wakes up and says, Can't you sleep? And he replied, No. Oscar gets out of the bed and walks on his stumps over to the balcony door and opens them up to let in some air. He also moves the fan out so the air will hit them in the bed. It's very dark in the bedroom. Riva walks out of the bedroom and into the bathroom. Now, luxury bathrooms are different. You walk into the bathroom and there's a shower and sinks, but there's another door inside the bathroom. You open it and there's a toilet in it. So I guess you have more privacy. Riva gets out of bed and goes to the bathroom and into the little toilet room and closes the toilet room door. Oscar is completely unaware of her movements. He thinks she's still in bed and in and out of sleep. He claims it's very dark and he can't see anything from where he's standing at the balcony door. Oscar heard a noise coming from the bathroom. He believes an intruder climbed in the bathroom window. He's on his stumps at this time and he goes over to the bed and retrieves his 9 millimeter gun. He tells Riva, who he believes is in bed, to call the police and he goes out to the hallway. I call it a hallway, but it's still part of the bedroom. It's just the area you need to walk through the bedroom to get to the master bathroom. Remember, this is a huge house and the bedroom is like the size of three or four normal bedrooms. He's using the wall to hold onto for support while he walks since he doesn't have his prosthetic legs on. Oscar said without his prosthetic legs on, he felt very vulnerable. He can't do all the things a non disabled person can do. When his legs are on, he's a superhero, but right now they're not on his body. He yells for the intruder to get out, but the intruder doesn't say anything. He sees the bathroom window open and the door to the toilet room is closed. He knows the intruder is inside that little toilet room. He yells again to come out, and the intruder doesn't say anything. Oscar hears the person inside the toilet room fooling around with the lock on the door, and before the person could come out, Oscar fires four shots into the door with his 9 millimeter pistol. He hears a thud hit the ground. Oscar makes his way on his stumps back to the bedroom and feels in the bed for Riva, but he can't find her in the bed. Remember, it's real dark. He says at this point he's too scared to turn the light on. He feels behind the curtains and near the balcony door in case she was hiding from all that's going on in the bathroom, but he doesn't feel her anywhere. At this point, his heart sinks and he realizes that it wasn't an intruder in the bathroom. It was his girlfriend of three months, Riva Steenkemp. He goes back to the bathroom, still on his stumps, and goes to open the door to the toilet room, and it's locked. So he makes his way back to the bathroom and grabs a cricket bat and beats down the door of the toilet room and finds Riva. She was shot multiple times and she's still alive, but barely. He puts his prosthetic legs on and he carries her downstairs. He makes a 24 second phone call to his estate manager. He's kind of like a personal assistant to Oscar. 
He yells, please come to my house quick. I shot Riva. I thought she was an intruder and I shot her. Please come quick. Johan arrives and sees Oscar carrying Riva in his arms and she's got severe bleeding, including a gunshot wound to the head and Oscar is panicking. They call an ambulance and the security manager of his house. And when the paramedics got there, she was already dead. Oscar is visibly shaken and tells everyone he thought she was an intruder. He's crying and yelling, and it was a really dramatic moment. Let's get into the aftermath of this event. Oscar spends the night at the police station. The next day, he and his attorneys go to the magistrate's court. Remember, this is not the U.S. The arrest and pretrial events are going to be a little different in South Africa, but the court wants to charge him with premeditated murder. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, how can he be charged? Oscar thought she was an intruder. It's dark. He feels vulnerable without his legs. Well, we're going to get into all of that, and I'll explain why the court wants to charge him with murder. Their version of the story is very different from Oscar's. Four days later, he appears for his bail hearing. Oscar is crying uncontrollably and saying he didn't mean to kill Riva. He claims he loved her and this was all an accident. I've listened to Oscar over and over and over again, and you truly want to believe what he's saying. At least I did. But the evidence stacked against him makes it nearly impossible. Oscar's sponsors, such as Oakley Sunglasses and Nike, dropped him and multiple others. Nike pulled all their ads down featuring Oscar. At this time, Riva is laid to rest and a big funeral is happening that Oscar is not welcome to and not able to attend anyway. On February 22nd, Oscar makes bail, which was millions of dollars, and is released until his court date in June. This gives investigators time to build a case against Oscar and gather more of the info and tests. Oscar's trial is going to be broadcast on TV in South Africa. This is comparative to the O.J. Simpson trial here in the U.S. If you guys remember that whole media circus, this was the same exact way. This may seem redundant, but I'm going to go into exactly what I told you earlier about the movements Oscar made that night and the prosecutor's counter-argument of each one. I gathered these from the Telegraph website. Forensic evidence doesn't lie, and what they said happened was very different from what Oscar said happened. First, I told you Oscar and Riva went to bed at 10 p.m. and awoke at 3 a.m. I told you Oscar slept on the other side of the bed. The prosecution said that neighbors said they heard a man and woman yelling coming from Oscar's house between 2 and 3 a.m. As well, the autopsy showed that Riva had vegetables in her stomach that were eaten two hours before her death. This means she was eating at 1 a.m. Remember, Oscar said they went to bed at 10 p.m., which was five hours before her death. Well, the food in her stomach tells a different story. When Riva got out of bed and went to the bathroom, Oscar said he was unaware of her movements and never heard her getting out of bed to go to the bathroom. He says standing at the balcony doors in the bedroom and the fact that it was pitch black in the room made it hard to notice anything happening. 
The prosecutor claims that is not true. They claim Oscar could see enough to pick Reva's jeans up off the floor and cover an LED light that was on one of the electronics. He could have done this afterwards to make the room seem more dark, but he claims he did it before the shooting because the LED light was making it hard to sleep. Oscar claims he heard a noise coming from the bathroom and possibly the bathroom window being opened. Still on his stumps, he grabs his gun, yells for Reva to call the police, and makes his way towards the bathroom. Oscar says he was yelling for the intruder to reveal themselves. Prosecution claims he and Reva were still arguing loudly, just like the neighbor said. He grabs his gun. Reva runs for the toilet room in the bathroom and locks herself in there with her cell phone. They also say that if Oscar truly thought it was an intruder... Reva would have yelled back to him, no, it's me, Reva. There's no reason why she wouldn't respond to his yelling. Five different neighbors claim they heard a woman screaming at the top of her lungs, followed by the sound of four shots being fired. One witness claims when he heard all the screaming and yelling, he goes outside to see what's happening at his neighbor's house. He saw the light on in Oscar's bathroom from outside before the shots were fired. This contradicts Oscar's Oscar's story that the bathroom was dark. The the witness also said immediately before the gunshots, he described the screams as blood curdling. Oscar says he grabbed a cricket bat and used it to break down the door to get Reva after he shot her. Prosecution claims that there were multiple cell phones in the toilet room where Reva's body was. She had her cell phone and she had Oscar's cell phone. They say Reva was trying to escape. There was more forensic evidence, such as blood splatter and other things, that contradict Oscar's story. Oscar took the stand on April 7, 2014. He opened with an apology to Reva's family. His first words were, quote, I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to Mr. and Mrs. Steenkemp, to Reva's family, to those who knew her who are here today. There hasn't been a moment since this tragedy happened, that I haven't thought about your family. I wake up every morning and you're the first people I think of, the first people I pray for. I can't imagine the pain and the sorrow and the emptiness that I've caused you and your family. I was simply trying to protect Reva. I can promise you when she went to bed that night, she felt loved. End quote. The prosecutor in this case's name is Jerry Nell, and he's known to be a very tough attorney. His nickname is the Bulldog. He cross-examines Oscar, and again, you want to believe everything Oscar is saying, but it's impossible. He challenged every single thing that came out of Oscar's mouth. Oscar is crying on the stand and claiming he didn't mean to kill Reva. His voice becomes very falsetto, and he's barely able to get any words out at times. It was a case of mistaken identity, he says. Jerry tells him his story is an incredible one. He calls Oscar a liar. He says several neighbors, all interviewed separately, claim they heard a woman screaming and lots of arguing for an hour before the shooting took place. She's awake. She's in the toilet. You're shouting. You're screaming. You're three meters from her. She would have responded. She would not have been quiet, Mr. Pistorius. Oscar responds that there was no noise coming from the toilet room and she wasn't making a sound. A woman did not scream at any point and I wish she would have let me know it was her in there, he said. Oscar is shown a photo on a big screen in court and it was Reva's head wound. 
Oscar begins making vomiting sounds, and someone brings him a receptacle to throw up into. Well, this is broadcast on live TV with the whole country watching. So from then on out, the streaming had a delay. They didn't want something like that to happen again on live TV. Prosecutor Jerry Nell plays for the court an older video of Oscar out with his friends, and they're shooting guns together. They're doing this in a controlled environment. I can't tell if this is a gun range, but they're wearing hearing protection, and they seem to be taking safety precautions. Oscar shoots a watermelon and laughs and says it's not as soft as brains, but it's a real zombie stopper. The prosecutor turns off the video and looks at Oscar and says, did you see what happened to the watermelon? It exploded, and that's what happened to Reva's head. It had the same effect into her head. Take responsibility, Mr. Pistorius. Oscar's ex-girlfriend, Samantha, who I told you guys about earlier, testified in court and said Oscar was angry a lot during their relationship and he always carried a gun on him. A police captain was called to testify and told the court about the text messages his team had found between Oscar and Reva. One of the ones Reva sent said, I'm scared of you sometimes and I and how you snap at me and how you will react to me. He also addressed text messages between them after Oscar had accused her of flirting with another man. Five days before Reva died, she sent the following text message to Oscar after he berated her loudly in public. Quote, I'm a person too, and I appreciate that you invited me out tonight, and I realize that you get harassed, but I'm trying my best to make you happy, and I feel as though you sometimes never are, no matter the effort I put in. I can't be attacked by outsiders for dating you and be attacked by you, the one person I deserve protection from. End quote. During the defense's arguments, they asked Oscar to read the Valentine's Day card that Reva had given him out loud. It read, I think today is a good day to tell you that I love you. Oscar also said he got her a bracelet for Valentine's Day and they were at the jewelers early that day getting it. Oscar is asked by his lawyer in court to remove his prosthetic legs and walk around in his stumps in front of the court. He wants the court to see how vulnerable and different Oscar really is without his prosthetic legs. Oscar takes them off and starts walking around. You can hear audible gasps and people are just shocked because this is a moment no one has ever seen Oscar in. To me, it's humiliating and dehumanizing to be parading him around the courtroom with no legs, but the defense thought this would be a good idea and would help their case. The defense says Oscar has a heightened response to perceived danger because of his disability, which I would agree with. Almost like going out alone as a at night as a woman, you're more cognizant of danger than a typical man would be. That's not just my opinion. That's actually been proven in studies. The defense brings in a psychologist who said Oscar has anxiety. It stems from the death of his mother and his parents' divorce when he was six. So the prosecution asked that he undergo a month-long study to find out if he really does have anxiety. And it was determined that he suffered no mental illness of any kind and that he knew what was right from what was wrong. On September 12th, 2014, the verdict is read by Judge Thakazile Masipa, I hope I said her name right, <laughs> who I assume is the nicest judge in all of South Africa. She says that the prosecution had not 
proven behind beyond a shadow of a doubt that Oscar had intended to kill Riva. Oscar has been acquitted of murder. Instead, she found him guilty of culpable homicide by being negligent and firing four, four shots into a door, not knowing who was on the other side. He was sentenced to five years in prison and released in one year under the condition that the next four years he be under house arrest. Oscar could not have had better luck in the world. But wait. Two months after Oscar was released from his one-year stay in prison, this is December 2015, South Africa's Court of Appeal overruled Judge Masipa and convicted Oscar of murder. His luck has run out. In January 2016, Oscar tried to appeal, but it was denied. His sentencing will take place in June of 2016. Oscar returned to the court with arguments from his defense team to try to help with getting a lenient sentence. This would also be the first time Barry Steenkamp, who is Riva's father, took the stand. He asked for photos of his daughter taken at the scene of her murder to be released publicly. They are released today and you can find them online on a Google search. Jerry Nell, that badass prosecutor, asked for a minimum of 15 years. Judge Masipa rules that Oscar will serve six years in prison. She tells the court that Oscar has shown remorse and the court cannot rule by public opinion. She doesn't believe a long-term prison sentence would do any good for Oscar to be reformed. In another shocking turn of events, in 2017, Oscar's sentence was increased once again. Oscar is sentenced to the full 15 years. He is up for parole in 2023. It's crazy how sentencing in South Africa can be overturned and changed. I don't know if it's like that here in the U.S. He was granted a compassionate release for four hours in 2017 in order to attend his grandmother's funeral. He was driven by guards who stayed by his side the whole time. Also in 2017, Oscar was involved in an altercation with another inmate over the use of the public telephone. They fight and Oscar was bruised up but he's not seriously injured. I read from someone who visited Oscar in prison that he is pretty much broken. He's not the same as he was before. He's a completely different person now. He has a big bushy beard and he smokes cigarettes and he doesn't exercise or anything. The person who was a former, a former school teacher of Oscar's says he is unrecognizable. But he also said Oscar has turned religious and even teaches Bible study to other inmates. I don't know what the motive was in this case. We all know how Riva died, but we don't know why. For only eight months, Oscar was on top of the world. He had sponsors and endorsements, and he was a hero to those with disabilities and showed you could overcome physical barriers to excel in whatever you wanted. Who would have thought that someone born without legs could have become one of the fastest runners in the world? He was involved in a lot of charities, and the whole world was rooting for him. Ultimately, his name is disgraced. He literally threw his life away with the choice he made that night and will live with what he did for the rest of his life. My heart is with Riva and her parents. No parents should ever have to lose their child, as I'm all too familiar with. That's all for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care, and much love to you all.